I always ask, what were the roles you took in group projects in your classes? What lessons did you learn from freshman year to senior year? What did you learn about yourself? And what were the classes that you enjoyed the most and you liked the least? Hello and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? The Bright and Quirky Child Summit runs April 4th until the 8th. Discover what's possible for bright kids with challenges related to ADHD, aggression, autism, anxiety, demand avoidance, depression, emotional regulation, executive function, learning differences, picky eating, poor grades, social struggles, and even stress. I don't know about you, but as a dad with some bright and quirky kids, the stress part, it's a big deal for all of us. The link for this amazing resource will be in the show notes, and I highly recommend you check it out. Speaking of parents who may need some extra support at this time, the next round of the ADHD Essentials online parent coaching groups starts April 25th, and it will run for eight weeks. Go to ADHDessentials.com slash parentgroups for more details, or send an email to brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And check out our partner podcasts, ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers, Hacking Your ADHD with Will Curb, ADHD Diversified with MJ, and the ADHD Friendly Lifestyle with Moira Maven. Don't forget to join everyone from the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network for a live Q&A the second Tuesday of every month at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Go to ADHDrewired.com events to register. Finally, this episode, like so many others, was edited by Jeffrey Gordon of Ideal Video Strategies. I'm glad to have him on the team. Welcome to the show. In this episode of the pod, we're talking to Alex Gilbert of Capable Consulting. Alex talks to us about navigating jobs, careers, and employment with ADHD. She discusses what your favorite game has to do with picking a job, navigating boredom and imposter syndrome, the fact that interview questions are a two-way street, and how things can be challenging, but not hard. All right, let's get rolling. I was dyslexic. I was. I am dyslexic and have ADHD. And I was really privileged to be diagnosed when I was eight years old and had all kinds of privileges because my parents really could have the means to support me. And we moved to a town that I could get all kinds of support. And I had that all the way through college. And what I really struggled with was when I graduated, because as someone who had all of these resources, I didn't know what it was like to have nothing. And 
I didn't know why I was struggling and why I felt like I was going to fail or why I was struggling with my mental health and having panic attacks all the time. But it was really because I was so used to having someone to talk to or someone to help me plan things out and manage it that I didn't know what to do when I didn't because all of the resources that you have in school and through college are apples and oranges in the real world. I've actually had this idea of starting my company Capable Consulting since I was 16 and applying to colleges because I had this teacher who was like, well, you know, you don't look like much on paper. So therefore you're not much in real life. And I was like, um, I'm pretty sure that's not true. So I wanted to really support people who had a learning disability or ADHD to see their strengths and know that they had value. And fast forward to a decade of working in program and leadership development, I came from this eye of supporting people who had a learning disability or ADHD. What were their strengths? How could I pull it out of them? How can I create programs and see the best in each of these individual leaders by connecting to who they were as a person and pulling those things out. And I was laid off from my job due to COVID. And I was starting to look at jobs and say, like, do I want to do this again? And I and my husband and I were talking about this. He's like, you've wanted to start your own business to support people for all these years. What are you doing? What are you waiting for? And I was like, you're right. Let's do it. So Capable Consulting started in April of 2021. And I'm very, very excited about it. And I'm honored to get you on at really the Vanguard of your career, the vanguard of your business, because it just started. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm discounting your past experience because all of that obviously applies. So I'm not really the vanguard of your career, but the vanguard of your business and the start of that. And that's primarily why I wanted to have you on was to talk about career stuff and how does that work? And how do we, as ADHD adults, potentially as ADHD parents looking at our kids, how do we harness our strengths to get the job that we want? How do we decide what job fits us better than others maybe? And also how do we weed out the ones that are gonna suck? How do we figure out like, oh, that one, I don't wanna work for that person or I don't wanna work for that company or whatever the case may be. All really good question. Let's dive, let's dive right in. Can we start with, I have ADHD. Let's pretend I'm in sort of a similar boat to you, right? I have ADHD. I've been let go because of COVID downsizing stuff. And I never really liked whatever I was doing, right? Like it was fine. It paid me. I had money. I could afford food. I could afford a place to live, but uh, yuck. Or maybe I've been bouncing from job to job and I rarely last more than six or eight months. Like that's there too. What do I do? Yeah. I meet with people in both scenarios pretty often. And I think these are these are great to, to work through. I'll start with the first one, which is you've been laid off. You never really enjoyed what you were doing. And I think that that's so common, especially kids who've like grown up and gone to school and gone to college. You kind of go in this trajectory of this is what everybody does. So therefore, this is what I should be doing. And you never really take those moments to step back and say, what do I want? What feels natural to me? What am I good at? Because no one really gives you that opportunity because it's all for testing for school. So I really try and pull people back and say, well, one, actually, this is my favorite question and I'm going to give this away. But my favorite question is to ask people, what is their favorite game? Because I think that gives such an incredible insight to people and how they think and how they learn and how they adjust to anxiety, stress, and everything else. So 
I'll give you myself as an example. I love Tetris. I've been playing Tetris since I was a kid on my Game Boy because I'm of that generation. And I was playing all the time. But what I really liked about Tetris was the fact that it was organized. I knew what the pieces, what pieces were coming. I could see what pieces were coming. I knew what was in front of me and how I could put it together. And I could stack it continuously and know I could get out of it continuously. That's how I think. I like to be organized. I like to see the big picture and see all the little details all at once and know how I can put it in order that makes sense to me continuously and get myself into the next phase. I hate Pac-Man. I'm terrified of Pac-Man because when it comes to Pac-Man, you have no idea where these ghosts are coming from, what direction they're going, and the anticipation constantly of, I have to change directions, I have to do something different, I'm caught off guard, I don't know what to do. That's what I struggle with in my jobs, is the things that are thrown on my plate at the last second that I don't have enough time to think and adjust and make the right decision. And so I really like to pull that out of people. I like to get to know who they are and how they think so that we can pull out what the things they enjoy, what's creative about them, what's something that they struggle with and they might have struggled with in a previous job or that they didn't enjoy. It's also the structure of their day. Like how can we how can we figure out what are the highs and lows of their day? And so I really try and allow people to to do that, to journal and really figure out who they are and what their strengths are. For the person who's been fired many times, about 60% of people who have ADHD or a learning disability get fired from their job, likely because they don't disclose. And I'm not saying that you have to disclose or the right thing to do is always disclose. That's not what I'm saying. It's more the fact that they don't advocate for themselves or what their needs are in these new environments. They're generally people pleasers and try and take on more than they can actually do. And therefore they're overcompensating and don't actually do any of the things that are on their list. Those are the kinds of things that I want to know. Usually the people who come to me in those scenarios are like, I don't know what happened. Yes, you do. Let's break it down in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming. Can we talk about different scenarios in which you were feeling something was was wrong? Most of the people who I talk to know when they were going to get that email from their boss or have that meeting because they're hyper aware of what they did and didn't do or should have been doing or could have been doing. And I, I want to take the fear factor out of this and acknowledge it head on to say like, okay, here was the scenario. What could you have done differently? And we work through that because if you don't actually take the time to understand what went wrong and make the changes that work for you, you're going to take it to the next job. And I want you to be prepared for whatever the scenario is, especially if it's something that happens frequently, how can you be your best self in this scenario? And how can you set up the boundaries? How can you advocate for yourself in a way that you get the support that you need to do the job to your best of your ability? You're not going to be 100% great at every aspect of your job. Nobody is. And I think that that's important to know. But if these are your weaknesses, how can you get the support you need to do the job to the best of your ability? Or avoid them entirely, potentially, right? Like that's <laughs> or that, which happens too. That's a trap that we ADHD folks can fall into, right? Where we keep doing the same job because it's the job that we know, but we're bringing that fear with us, and also shame, not just fear. The fear is I'm afraid I'm going to lose this job, and that's going to have economic consequences of anything from I'm 
can't afford the stuff I want to buy to I can't afford the things that I need and I'm homeless, right? Like it depends on where we are. But the shame is what leads to the rapid turnover because we go into the new job carrying our mistakes from the last one. And it's the same kind of job. I stuck in teaching because that was what I knew. And I was good at teaching. Teaching was the thing that I was best at that I had so far experienced. Then I pivoted into what I do now. And I was like, oh, I was just okay at teaching. Like I was really good at it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm so much better at this that I just was in teaching because it did a lot of the things that I liked, but not all of the things that I needed and had areas where my flaws were causing problems. So my poor organization and lack of executive functioning skills was not great as an English teacher. English is probably the most executive functioning heavy subject in school, especially at sixth grade, which is the level I taught. There was a lot of grade all these essays, score all these tests. I couldn't keep above, keep my head above water. Like I was drowning almost every year, at least for half of it, kind of on and off. But if you squish it all together, probably half of it. And when I lost a teaching job, like I just went back into teaching and carried, well, at least this school department doesn't know how much I sucked at the last one. And even the one that I got let go from, it wasn't always because I sucked. Usually it was budget stuff. I was doing fine. I was just new. But as a new guy who didn't know what he was doing, I felt like I sucked. And even though there were principals who were trying to help me grow, I had trouble asking for help. I had trouble accepting help. Those are the reasons I got let go more than anything else. Well, except for the fact that schools didn't have money that played a prominent role too. But the reason I got picked was because I was the guy who wasn't actively embracing help because in my head, if I'm asking for help, looking for help, accepting help, they're going to know that I'm not good enough for this job and they're going to let me go, which is backwards. The imposter syndrome that sits so deeply with people who have ADHD or learning disabilities. And I always say this to people, you were hired for the job because you were capable of the job. So please understand that they saw something in you. They know that you can do this job. You need to know that you can do this job. Whether you want to do this job and it's the right job for you is a totally different scenario. And that's something to really think about and discuss. And I think you also, as you were talking, made me think of, The most important factor that we haven't discussed is pure boredom, that when you are doing the same type of job and going for the same roles over and over again, because you've done this and this feels familiar and you understand it. And so you kind of know what to expect. You leave very little room for creativity, for fun, for any kind of different anything. And I'm not saying the teaching, for example, doesn't have a space for creativity, but there is a lot of structure that is set in there. And that might not necessarily be something that the person who has ADHD enjoys the most. Some people thrive on that, love it, and it works for them, but it's not necessarily everyone. And that's also something that I talk to people about is just because you've done this doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you liked the most and what you're excited by the most. So what are the elements of what you were doing that did excite you and did have that spontaneity in it that kept you motivated to keep doing what you were doing? And that boredom is important too, right? Like a lot of ADHD folks frame that as a bad thing because they're like, I I just get bored. 
maybe you're not bored. Maybe you're taking a break. Maybe you're resting. It's okay that part of this job is kind of easy and repetitive. If you try to reinvent the wheel every time you do something that's repetitive, you're going to stress yourself out and quit because it's going to be too hard. You're allowed to have stuff that is just easy to do, even if it's boring, because at some point you're going to have to use that creativity. There's going to be a crisis or you're just going to, you know, redo and rework something that you've already done a thousand times, but you don't have to redo and rework everything because now you've done it once or twice. And so it's boring. Like just be bored, rest for the next week until something new comes up or you come up to something else that you've done before and maybe, maybe innovate on that one and then move into the next phase of boredom and let yourself chill for a little bit. That's in there too. I'm going to push you on this one a little bit because I don't want people to be so bored that they have no interest in what they're doing anymore, because I think that that lack of motivation is also what makes their job so much harder to get out of bed. They feel less motivated in every element of their life when they are that bored. And I really want people to get to know themselves and know the things can be exciting and not, as you said, not every element of your job is going to be exciting and new and innovative. And yes, it is exhausting when you're constantly reinventing the wheel over and over again. And there's elements that can be easy. But I think I I was talking about this recently. There is a very big difference, which I think the people who have ADHD or learning disabilities don't necessarily understand, which is something that I just came to the realization as I was being laid off from my job. Things can be challenging, but not hard. And there is a very, very big difference. Every element of the jobs that I was doing, even though I was really good at my jobs, were really hard because they were overcompensating for everything that didn't come naturally to me. And that burned me out very quickly. You know, an assignment that would take somebody else an hour took me three because I I had to double check it in ways that other people didn't, or I missed this or missed that. I've now taken the part that is really hard and found things that challenge me and excite me. And it doesn't mean that there are little things in my job that aren't monotonous and boring that I do. You know, billing is never fun. I know what to do now, but at the same time, I need to differentiate hard and challenging. And I I don't think that people know that that's possible. And I want to enlighten people on that. Yeah, no, I think that that's great because it's true, right? And also, I think thematically we're flirting with something that there's this component to getting a job or a career, either one, that we often don't even consider that that people with ADHD need to know about in advance. I should say in advance, if at all possible. You don't always get to know. But if you can, it's really good for us to know what is it about this job that sucks? Because there's something about every job that sucks. Otherwise, they wouldn't call it work. I basically made my own career. I designed this thing that I do out of whole cloth. There's parts of this that I don't like doing. Like I still, it's still there. This came home for me. I figured this out in college because when I was in college, um, I had a girlfriend who was an animal science major. So I like spent time hanging out with animal science majors. And I remember one of her friends was like, yeah, I majored in animal science because I don't like people and I want to be a vet. And I was like, um, 
but all of those pets are owned by people. So you're, huh? (laughs) (laughs) You're still dealing with people. Yeah. And then worse than that, more tragic than that, my girlfriend at the time was working in a vet's office and it was 11 o'clock at night, I think, when she got an emergency call to a farm, I believe. And we had to go and pick up this dog that had been injured and take it back with us to the vet's office. And that dog passed away in the back seat of my girlfriend's car with her like holding it in her lap while I drove us back to the vet's office to try to treat it. That was her coming face to face with the part of the job that sucks the most, that is the hardest, that is the worst. She, I know that she is now a vet, so she was able to weather that and navigate that. But it's important to know what parts of this job suck. And it could be something as tragic as that. It could be something as simple as I hate billing. It could be something as kind of temporary as my boss sucks and I can maybe get a new job or my boss will move somewhere else and work somewhere else or something like a boss isn't forever. So I think it's just important that we pull that thread a little bit because we're kind of flirting with it, but not really spelling it out. So you brought up something that I definitely want to talk about, which is knowing what to ask. And that's something that people don't really talk about when they're applying for jobs and going for interviews is knowing that interviews go both ways. And the company or organization might not tell you upfront, this is the part that sucks. But to you, you understand what the parts for you that are not your favorite or the parts that are more difficult for you on a, on a regular basis. I mean, you would probably know that as you were applying, but maybe maybe they didn't say how much it was until you were in the interview. And I think that part of getting to know yourself is knowing what environments you want to be in, what types of jobs you want to be in, and finding the right place for you. And I tell this story of how I was in a job that I really hated and was like, forget it. I'm out of here. I need to find a new job. And I didn't really take the time to get to know myself because I was just like, anything's going to be better than this. Mistake number one. (laughs) That is not necessarily the case. It is not always better than where you are or worse, whatever. I didn't know. I didn't think to ask very simple things, which was, I'm dyslexic and have ADHD. I'm easily distracted. I shouldn't have been looking for spaces that were completely open. That was a struggle for me. If I asked for noise canceling headphones and they said, no, that should have been a red flag. I should have been able to ask these kinds of things. I should have been able to ask different things about the flexibility of the hours. And if I had to be sitting at my desk at this time, if that wasn't natural to me and that was really difficult for me, did I have flexibility of when I was working? It's not that I was working less. It was just, I was working in a much more flexible time. I ended up in a job that I didn't ask any of the right questions. I was there for less than a month. I literally worked for Cruella DeVille. And if I showed you a picture, you'd laugh because I'm not joking. And there were four people in this job in less than a year. And I didn't ask, how long have people been in this organization? How many people have been in this job? I didn't ask about the space. I quit the week of my wedding because it was so bad. It was so bad that I was like, I can't be here anymore. And that was my own fault for not asking the right questions and not knowing. After my wedding and I like regrouped and really said what worked for me 
what am I looking for? I ended up in an organization that I was there for five and a half years because it was the right environment for me at the time. It was the right space. It was the right types of jobs. And I knew the questions to ask that made sense for me at the time. Awesome. Full disclosure, I suck at asking questions when I go on interviews. I get to that point of like, well, do you have any questions for us? And I had the wrong perspective on it, right? I had the perspective of, I should be listening to what they're telling me during this interview and then formulating questions while they tell me about the job or whatever. And that's not what you do. You go in pre-armed. You go in with like, what's the turnover rate for this position, right? Like you mentioned, or what is the hardest challenge that your company is currently facing? Those kinds of things. I've gotten much better at that now that I consult with schools and, and businesses and I go in and I'm like, all right, what's the problem and how do I fix it, right? Like, what is it that you need me to do so that I can make this place better? Because I'm a consultant. And you can do that on an interview. You can take that same approach. You can absolutely do that. And you should. And that's the thing. I should have picked up on the red flags and it made it much easier having gone through the part that wasn't great to going to the next company, the next organization that I was at for five and a half years. When I said, I saw the space and it was open and I said, this might be a challenge for me. Is it okay if I have noise canceling headphones? And they were like, yeah, of course. And when I asked things like, could I adjust my hours so that I could have a different space and that I wasn't as distracted as everything else? They said, yeah, of course we have people who work all over the country on different time zones. So you tell us what works for you. That approach told me everything I needed to know about the flexibility and their support that I was going to get, that I could continuously ask for things and knowing that I was going to succeed because they would help me succeed in these positions. So I I think that's important to know. I would also say that I am the kind of person who always, always disclosed from every interview I was ever in that I had dyslexia and ADHD because I still feel this way, that I have so many skills that other people don't have because I'm dyslexic and because I have ADHD and I think differently and I do things differently. And I felt like that was a bonus. And that if companies and organizations really saw what I was talking about and I could explain what was different about me and why they would want somebody who thought differently and thought outside of the box and could bring a different approach, that that was something that they would want because it was different and that brought skills. So I think that's important to share. That's not for everyone and I'm not pushing that and I never push that on clients if that's not where their comfort level is. But I think that that was something that I think made me stand out on these interviews and was really kind of exciting for me too. Uh, Yeah, I could see that happening, but you've got to be pretty solid, right? Very confident. Yeah. And you have to be willing to not get that job. Yeah. That's in there too. But I will say now I'm just playing to my ego a little bit, but that was something that was a skill that I had of having ADHD and dyslexia. I have very high emotional intelligence. I really like talking to and I was very good at interviews. So it was very rare that I didn't get the job offer or have another interview because I was so confident in what I was saying. And I've presented myself in such a way that took years and years of practice. But it's also something that people with ADHD are really good at. You're really, really good communicators. And that's okay to lean in and feel confident in that. Yeah. And the the only piece of that that I caution because I have certainly done this, is don't talk above your head, right? Don't roll into that interview and be like, I am charming and charismatic and amazing at interviewing. And I'm going to 
get this job that I'm not going to be successful in because I'm so good at talking. Like I've done that. I've had those conversations and gotten those jobs that I was not ready for and couldn't handle. And I crashed and burned, but it was because I, Oh no, I can do that. And a little part of my brain was like, shut up, Brendan. And I just kept rolling with no, absolutely. I'm sure I can figure that out. No, I, there is definitely like an in-between and I am not saying I overshot. I was applying for jobs that I knew I was capable of doing and that I knew I had the skill set for. So I was selling myself and every interview you ever do is about selling yourself and know that that's part of it. But yeah, I was not putting myself in executive meetings as a entry level 22 year old and saying like, I can do this job. No, you can't. It, that's okay. It, you can't. It's okay. You can eventually build yourself to that, but you need the skills to get there first. I'm going to pivot to parenting, kind of, sort of. This happens for adults. It also happens for parents looking at their kids. So sometimes we look at our vast experience, right? And we're like, uh, I'm all over the map. Or we look at our kids and we're like, he's just not focused. Like he likes, he's good in math, but he also is always playing Minecraft and for some reason is into theater. And I don't like theater. No one in our family did theater. Why is this kid doing theater, right? Like we have those kinds of thoughts sometimes and what we thought he was going to be a mathematician and like, or a computer programmer. And now he's doing theater and like, what? That's not the plan. Like there's parents out there who are feeling that way about some wacky thing their kid is engaged in. And sometimes we personally feel that way too, where we're like, I don't know, I'm just not focused enough. And that's why I can't get the job or whatever. I encourage people to look at it more as a skill stack, as opposed to I'm like trained, right? Like, yeah, your kid's great in math. They're good with computers. That doesn't mean theater is a waste of time. Theater is developing a different set of skills that are still needed because it's social skills. It's listening. It's, it's engaging with people. Even if they work backstage, they're still learning how to take directions and follow a plan and all that stuff. And that will serve them really well in whatever job they go to pursue because they have this other thing that is maybe not connected to the primary direction we're imagining our kids' careers going in. Or for ourselves, we have some stuff that is not directly connected to what we're looking to do with our careers. Those side trails are often what make us unique and are pretty powerful. Am I making sense here? Yes. I'm following everything that you're saying. But I'm also thinking about this in in a totally different way with, yes, it's good to be well-rounded. I mean, I was a kid who did sports and theater and music, and I was very talented when it came to music. And I was, you know, I I did a lot of things and I was was a good leader. And so I was able to be, you know, president of this club. It it definitely made me much more well-balanced. But I, the thought that I was actually going in was thinking about the difference between being overstimulated and understimulated and knowing how to regulate that. And I think that kids are actually very in tune with that more than we are paying attention to. And I think by allowing them to have the space to do something that feels good to them when they need to come down from being overstimulated or allow them to push themselves to stimulate in order to do something that's really hard is something to also think about. I love yoga. I've been doing yoga since I was 15. That has nothing to do with my job or my skills in my job. But that element of learning to do yoga and meditate and connect with myself was critical 
to every one of the potential panic attacks or stress factors that I had in every job that I had, because it was what gave me the space to bring myself down when I was way too stimulated and overwhelmed. And I think that that's something you need to be aware of too. Yeah, I agree. Whatever we're doing, it's helping to build us into the person that we are becoming, right? Like it's useful as I kind of stick with the parenting perspective, right? Sometimes parents think of their kids' school curriculars as resume builders almost, right? Because it's like the school activities are building the resume for college. College is building the resume for the real world, right? And they don't have to be resume builders. You can do a lot of stuff just because it's fun, just because it's entertaining to do. I want to tell you this story because as you're saying this, I'm also like bringing back to seventh, eighth grade me who was really struggling. So I'm from New York. New York state has a ton of requirements for all of their students at each grade. And because I was diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD and I had resources, I was in resource room and I needed to be able to build that into my schedule. I also mentioned I was very talented in music and that was the best part of my day. That was the, that was the part of my day that helped me get through the rest of my day. The stuff that I was not necessarily great at, was frustrated in, at least I could lean into the thing that I was. And we're, we were approaching the you know, eighth grade scheduling and they said to me, okay, well, you have resource room. So we have to, the, the guidance counselor literally scribbled out music from my schedule and says, you don't have time for this because you have resource room. And I was hysterical because I was like, you just took the only thing I was good at out of my day. And how dare you do that? And I was saying this and she's like, well, that's New York State's requirement. This is where advocating for myself really started because I was, you know, seventh grade. I could really talk for myself and know what my needs were. And I went home to my parents. I was like, I have to do something about this. I can't do this. And I went to this, the head of the school superintendent and the principal of my school and I said, you, you don't understand what this is doing to kids who have learning disabilities or ADHD who need the special ed program in their, in their daily life are actually very talented in the things you're taking out because most of them were very good at music and art and other elements of their day. And I pushed and pushed and pushed and they created something called zero period. So this resource room teacher who I was working with said she would come in an hour early and have resource room before school started so that kids could actually have space to have music in their schedule or art in their schedule. Wow. It was really, yeah, seventh grade me was a bulldog. And then I got language exempt. So I actually did have space for it. <laughs> but at least like this kid who was in my resource room class who like I've known since fourth grade was like, Alex, I can't even tell you how much I appreciated you doing this because I would have been very sad to not be in band. And I was like, okay you know what, like, listen, listen to your kids, listen to what their needs are, because they're going to tell you. Yeah, they're going to tell you. And I'm, I'm really glad that that happened. I think they still do that now, actually, zero period. That's awesome. Like, that, that's a huge credit to you. Yeah. I'm like teary. I think about it. That was like a very hard thing to, you know, to lose. So why did you go into leadership? <laughs> I wonder why. That's exactly what that story tells. Those are skills I have. Those are skills that I have. Those are important. Those are important for everyone to like keep in mind that just because it's not great on paper doesn't mean that there's no skills and that what I'm what I have doesn't 
have validation or that it doesn't have value. Like that does. It's not just what's on paper. So let's pretend I'm a parent and it's time for my kid to go get a job. After college or or after high school? Either way. And I, I literally was talking about this with a client this morning at like 9.25 this morning is probably when it happened. We met at nine. But I said to them, because they were talking about their daughter and sort of their struggles around getting her to do stuff and all that kind of thing. And I said to them, I was like, okay, so over the summer, we need to get your daughter a job because she needs to go somewhere else and be told what to do. That is a piece of getting of getting a job at 16, right? Like she's got to, because she's having trouble listening to mom and dad and doing what mom and dad are asking. So she needs to go somewhere else and be told what to do or get fired. Like she's kind of there. What do we need to keep in mind for kids when they're looking for a job? High school, just out of college. I know it's a little bit different. What do we need to think about? High school versus college is definitely different because someone who's graduating from high school doesn't necessarily build the same independence as someone after college might have. So that's why I asked, which direction are you going? Right. And there's a little more significance to the job, right? Like you get fired from a supermarket, probably not the end of your career. You get fired from an office. It might damage some stuff. It might make it a little harder. Yeah, I hear you. Totally. So I'll start with the high school, the high school student of getting a job. And I would say, what are their interests? Because I think that that also makes going to the job a little more exciting and less like, I'm, I was saying pencil pushing, but I don't even mean pencil pushing because it could be like a job at a store, but it could be, you know, interning at somebody's office. It could be learning something new. It could be working at a summer camp. I mean, it, it really is dependent on what they're excited about. Giving them to the space to say what would be fun for you and fun for you to explore or learn more about, I think gives them the space to say like, okay, can I do something? And then either talk to people who do that kind of job or know people who are in these types of industries. What kinds of skills does this kind of person need? And go from there. If they're interested, which you'll know having ADHD, if they're very interested, they will go down a rabbit hole of all the things they should know about that kind of job that excites them that they should know. And, oh, did you know that this person who's doing this job that I really love to have started by working at this type of job when they were in high school? Those kinds of things really help motivate them to get out the door and actually do something. For me, that was camp. I really loved working with kids. I wanted to do programming for kids. I was a human development major. That was, that was something that was really important to me, but it also was building my leadership skills. And that was the element that I needed for the other jobs that I was doing was the leadership skills, but I was doing it based on children. And that was okay. In terms of someone graduating from college, right now, graduating from college and this transition is so much more difficult for so many reasons because of COVID of, you know, are they working in person? Are they going to be working from home? Are they going to have any social elements? I mean, there are a thousand layers of what if, and we don't really know. And I think that parents really need to give their kids space to understand that this might not look like what they were hoping when they started school. And that's okay. And give them space to kind of grieve that because it's going to look different. And that's a start. The second is to, again, 
lean into what was something they had interest in in college. It might have been what they were majoring in. It might have been a club that sparked their interest while they were in college or, you know, an organization that they heard about because of COVID. I, I don't know what what that scenario is, but I always ask, what were the roles you took in group projects in your in your classes? What lessons did you learn from freshman year to senior year? What did you learn about yourself? And what were the classes that you enjoyed the most and you liked the least? Because those kinds of questions can really shape what's the next phase for them and give them the support to explore what those answers are. And it's not going to be pretty. No one at 22 years old is going to be in the perfect job and be there forever. It's not how it works anymore. And like, you have to learn all those lessons, but at least giving them the space to know those answers for themselves is important. I know that you have like a strategy session package that you're offering to people. Can you talk a little bit about that for folks who are, are looking for their kid or themselves? How do I get this job search rolling? Yeah, I love these strategy sessions. And I do two one-hour sessions, which we really break down. I think of this as kind of short-term goals. What are the kinds of questions that we can ask to have you end up in the right environment for you and know that you're in the right setting, that the job skills fit your job, like your skill set and your strengths and that you can lean into it and how to prepare you for the interview and how to prepare you to succeed in that job, no matter what the case is. And I talk to people about, we pick out different job titles and job descriptions, and we talk about Again, interview questions that you can ask about what your needs are and how you could find the right environment. And I've been doing this for the last couple months. And a few people who I have done these sessions with have said, I would have never ended up in the job that I'm in had we not had this session. And I am so glad that we did because this is, I didn't realize these were my skills. I didn't realize this was my strength. And I'm really succeeding. This The reason I created this, this guy I was working with had been fired several times from his job. And he's like, well, I don't understand. And we really pulled that apart. What was he struggling with? As I mentioned, you know, what, what could we do to make it easier so that when he found himself in the same scenarios that he knew what to do and he's been thriving and, re- and I'm really excited, but that's essentially what I'm trying to do in these strategy sessions is help you think short-term of what you can do right now to end up in the right position for you and one that you want to do, but also help you succeed by thinking long-term and how you can handle that job in the long run. And just being mindful of time, do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? I offer something called a declutter your mind session. And I find that a lot of people who are being diagnosed with ADHD are adults themselves, maybe because their kid was being diagnosed and realize that, oh, this is a genetic trait (laughs) that comes from me. So I offer something called declutter your mind session, which is a 30 minute free brain dump. Tell me what you're struggling with, what we can put back together in a way that actually makes sense to you so that you feel your best. There are so many skills that you have. There are so many strengths that you have, and there are weaknesses that everyone has, regardless of having a learning disability or ADHD or not, that you need support on. And I help you figure out what those are and what that support looks like for you so that you can actually thrive in your day-to-day. So I offer that. You can find that on my website, which is 
I spell capable my own way, which is C-A-P-E, cape, able. I do that for three reasons. One, because I spell everything wrong. Two, because I wanted people to feel capable of anything. And three, because I wanted you to see your strengths as your superpower. So I spell everything that way. So it's capableconsulting.com. Or you can find me on social media. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn at Capable Consulting LLC, again, C-A-P-E. Or on Instagram and TikTok at I am capable, C-A-P-E. So come find me there. Come come hang out. Talk to me about what you're, what you're struggling with and how I can support you in the future. And know that you have amazing, amazing skills and value. And I'm here to see that and pull that out of you. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.